This is Catalog and Cocktails. Hello, hello, everyone. It's Wednesday, and it's time for your favorite weekly show. Yes, that's right. It's Catalog and Cocktails. And today we have a very, very exciting show for you. For those that aren't familiar with Catalog and Cocktails, it is an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management. I am Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd and product guy at Data.World, and joined by co-host Juan. I'm Juan Cicada, I'm principal scientist here at Data.World, and uh, just always excited. Middle of the week, end of the middle of the week of Wednesday, and let's go chat about data. And today is very special because we have no guests, because we're our guests. No guests. We are our guests ourselves because um, let's say that the hottest topic that comes around and around and all the time, it, which is, it's all over the place. If you have not heard about the word data mesh, you have literally been living underneath the rock. So we decided to have a little debate. We've actually done this before. Only once we had this debate, right? The It was about building, what was it? The build versus buy. Yeah, build a catalog or buy a catalog, right? And uh, we each, Tim and I, each took a position. So we're going to go do the same thing today. We are going to take this position about, hey, you should go do a data, me- data mesh. Yay, data mesh. Let's go do data mesh. And that's that will be my position. And Tim, you're going to be the anti-data mesh, or how do you want to call it? Or the, the against I'm going to call it the, uh, the, the, the data mesh smasher. No, I don't know. What, what is an anti-data mesh person? I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I think the, the entire Twitter verse that you see this is probably, I would say there's a portion who actually gets it. There's a portion who has no idea what it is, but they want to try to figure it out. Uh, and then there's everybody who's just writing a bunch of jokes yeah. about it. It's kind of there's j- the awkward. jokes and the, uh, the the jokers and the skeptics, right? There's a lot of people who are like, nah, yeah. you know, I, I've seen trendy things and this feels like another one of those, right? So hey, yeah, this will be fun. Even we can still do our, our, our tell and toast and warm up. So, hey, what are you drinking? What are we toasting for? Yeah, so uh, I'm keeping it simple today. Usually I make a full on cocktail, but I'm just doing a little bit of this Johnny Walker black label here. Uh, and uh, that's what I got. What do you got going on, Juan? I, I enjoy Johnny Walker Black just with ice. That's my favorite thing. That's my favorite whisk go-to, just simple slip on whiskey. It's, it's easy sipping, right? It is. It is. Uh, I'm having a Japanese highball, which is really Japanese whiskey. I'm having a Centauri Toki and with some sparkling water. I'm keeping it simple. Uh, also having Japanese tonight, so kind of like, hey... Not, not, not a bad. It was a, that was my inspiration. So yeah, we're both whiskey oriented today. So it is. so cheers. What are we cheers to? I'm gonna toast for. I have a brand new uh, Seinfeld shirt. You can see it. It's ready now. Ooh. That was my new Seinfeld shirt. <laughs> so I'm cheers for it. that. <laughs> How about you? What, are you? what are you toasting for? Um, I will cheers to um, actually. I'll be joining you with that uh, that Japanese uh, dinner tonight. Uh, meeting meeting with uh, friends and partners and customers and things like that. It's always always fun to do. So, so yeah. Cheers for having uh, good conversations and and having in person dinners and stuff. So we have a warm up question here, which is, what is your data hot take that everyone else disagree with? I'll start, and I'm, I and I when yeah, I read the question. It. I didn't think the data, the data hot take. I just like, what's a hot take? And it is uh, actually, this goes to our producer, uh, Carly. We've been having a discussion, Seinfeld. I think Seinfeld is the best 
sitcom. It revolutionized comedy. A lot of people don't believe so, but that's my hot take. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know, I think a lot of people feel like Seinfeld was pretty good. Uh, you know, I haven't met a lot of uh, Seinfeld detractors. It's, there's not that many out there. Well, um, our, our producer here is one of those. I need a, My goal is to change her educator. <laughs> you know, I don't think that she's a detractor. I think she's still learning. She's learning to love it. That's, that's true. That's true. I like that. <laughs> One's like, I don't know about that. Um, what's my data hot take? Ah, man, uh, that's a hard question. Um, you know, this is going to sound a little alarming for folks that are a little more BI oriented, but like uh, my hot take is BI is overrated. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, we have Cindy Houghton uh, <laughs> coming soon, so that's going to be an interesting. She uh, can defend it. She can defend uh, it. I like that. I like that. All right. All right. Let's start this out. Let's debate. Um, by the way, we uh, Tim and I usually are taking notes when we're having a guest and channel like. And here, honestly, like I have my notes that I've prepared. Uh, Tim has his notes. We have not shared notes, so this is this is literally going to be. Uh, we have no idea this is going to turn out. So this is going to be free form here. Here free we go. Freestyle. Um, All right. So I'll, I'll start, and then I'll and then I'll kind of pass it to you to to kind of provide a little more context here. Context here. So uh, so just to just to set the context, right? So. I'm going to be wearing the hat today of the of the data mesh skeptic, somebody who doesn't really isn't sure what this is and isn't really confident that this is the right thing. Right. And perhaps even thinks it's the wrong thing. So that's the hat I'll be wearing today. And Juan's going to be wearing more the hat of um, of somebody who's excited about and believes that data mesh can can be really, really effective here. Uh, and so by using these two perspectives, we can have an exciting and interesting debate. And so I'll start us off, which is to say Data mesh is confusing the crap out of a lot of people. Uh, and it, it like was nowhere. It didn't exist at all like three years ago, even two years ago. It's really in the last like, year plus that it's become a very popular concept. And now you've got Jamak keynoting every single conference because people are like, what is this? I want to understand. This is going to be a big deal. Um, and uh, there was a tweet that actually somebody that we had on our show, Sam Bale, uh, tweeted the other day, which was, good morning. I have literally no idea what a data mesh is. <laughs> and that was her tweet. Uh, and I think that is kind of like that is the, that is the feels of the moment. That is the vibe, right? Um, is like, what is this data mesh thing? You know, how do you do it? Um, you know, some other great tweets are like, uh, for example, somebody on Twitter named Jim. He said, "A data mesh is just the net you use to catch data fish in your data lake out of the data boat that you keep at your data lake house." So that is pretty great. That is a great tweet, by the way. Um, and I'll, I'll just list one more, which is Adam said, I like the concept of data mesh. Okay, but I love the data mesh drama on Twitter. And then he put a little uh, popcorn icon because he's, he's, he's loving it. People are going at it, right? Uh, so people are confused. And, uh, and I've got other points about data mesh more specifically that are going to, you know, pour some skepticism on it, but uh, I'll pass it to you, you Juan, to, to add a little more context. Well, okay. So let's think about what is the problem, right? Let's not, let's, before we go into what is data mesh and stuff, let's say, what is the problem? And, and, and I think this is the thing is that we may not agree that what I'm going to about to say is a problem. So first of all, we have a centralized ownership of data. That is a problem. 
that you you have bottlenecks within an organization. You want to get your job. You have all these questions, and you need to get uh, the you need a answer. You need a data to answer these questions. You got to wait for the data to show up in the data lake. You got to wait till the, the the data analytics team, the BI team, whatever gets their data, and they have a backlog of stuff. There is a centralized ownership of data. Everything has to go into this one central place. There's this one central team that does it. That is a problem. Number one. Second, you have these monolithic warehouses, lakes, and so forth. That is a problem. You have one place, which is a single point of failure. You have all these things going into this, this, to this one place. This is not good. Period. Monolithics and one gigantic thing, which is a single point of failure, that's not good. Four, third, data is treated as a byproduct, it is a second-class citizen. So your goal, actually, sometimes your analytics is your first-class citizen, right? Your your the, the, the BI dashboard is a first-class citizen. Like that's the what's that's my goal. So then you do all this stuff with data to make sure that you accomplish that dashboard or whatever. The, the creating that data that was second class. You never think of you never thought about how that was organized, what it meant, whatever. I just got the stuff in there. That's a third thing. It, data is a second-class citizen. And fourth, we have this top-down approach to governance. We think about governance is this one thing that should be applied everywhere within an organization, right? This is aligned to having a monolithic, aligned to being central. Um, this is, I mean, a lot, if we think about risk, for example, that's why you see in the financial space, you have this governance that everything you supply. But this is not good. We the, the uh, governance rules may not apply exactly the same to everywhere. And then you have this top down. And at the end of the day, what we see is that people try to get out of the centralized ownership. They try to get out and they build their own little uh, pockets of data. Right. They're not thinking about they're, they're generating more data without knowing what it means. And then everybody has are moving spreadsheets around. Right. So talk about governance security, like how many spreadsheets are being emailed around. There's no governance security around that. So. Four, those are four things. I repeat them. Centralized ownership of data, monolithic, uh, the, uh, warehouse data is a second-class citizen, and top-down approach. That's the problem that we're seeing right now. So throw it back to you. Do you it, what, I, what I just said, is this a problem, or do you think that's not a problem, or what aspects are not a problem? I think we agree on the problem. I think that we agree that there is an over-focus on... Um, well, I will clarify on one point, though, uh, an over focus on the um, the monolithic approach in some cases. But in some other cases, there's actually the opposite problem, right, which is actually that there's kind of data chaos in the organization. Maybe they they went all in on the data lake and created a swamp the size of the of the Pacific Ocean. Uh, and you've actually got a like a, a, a morass issue. Right. Um, but on the other issues, I, I agree that those are big problems right now. So no, no arguments there yet. I think the argument's going to be more on the solution. Okay. So, um, okay. How, how do, okay. So we agree on the problem. So this is a good thing. And here's the thing is that not, not everybody who I talk to thinks that having a monolithic is a problem. And like, oh, I have my data like this is one place in control. That's what I want. So, so that, that's something that I've seen. And I'm, I'm actually interested that you're not taking that position, but some people think that, Hey, I, I, I want to centralize and that's just how it is. Well, why don't we dig into that a little bit? Let's unpack that a little bit, right? Because I think a monolith 
isn't always a problem, right? If you're a small enough organization, having a database, that might be all you need. Mm -hmm. Having one data expert who is the person in charge of that database, maybe that's all you need, right? Uh, maybe you add an ETL tool. Maybe you add a BI tool. Maybe you start adding a couple of other people to the data team. You know, are we talking about are we talking about technology monoliths? Are we talking about organizational monoliths? Right. Um, that in and of itself may not be a problem. I think I think when you say something like monoliths are a problem, and I agree with it, we're talking about where monoliths can become problematic, right? Where as you grow as an organization, you no longer can scale because there's this single group that's the bottleneck and then you form the data, the breadlines, right? Or where that single infrastructure can't solve all your problems and you get shadow IT and you get pockets of people all trying to solve their problem in their own ways. Am I characterizing that right? the right no, way? Or are you thinking of it differently? No, no, I, that, that's a fair point, but I would, I'm going to, but, well, okay, I'm, I'm I'm stumbling here because there's like so many things I want to go through. And I actually, I've been reviewing Shamak's book, and I, I, here's a, here's this quote directly from the book. He says, "While this centralized model can work for organizations that have a simpler domain with a smaller number of consumption cases, it fails for enterprises with rich and complex domains." Mm -hmm. I, be, I that's that's an accurate. I I believe with the, I, I'm, I stand with that statement, but I do think, and this is this is well, kind of. I'll, I'm going to be then debating Shamak herself a little bit and here and, and, and with you is if you're starting small, why not think about already what these uh, what a decentralized a decentralized approach can be? Yes, it may be an overkill, but if you're really thinking for success and thinking that you're growing that way, if you start centralized, it's going to be a big freaking pain to go decentralize that later. Or you're just you're just going to get so comfortable about it that you're just going to end up having so much legacy stuff that you're you're going to just dive into that hole. So why not bite that bullet from the beginning? And I would argue that if we're organized enough about this and we kind of plan ahead because at the end of the day, within domains of organizations, you have the, the, the you have the sales domain, the marketing domain, the customer domain. Like you can start thinking what those domains could be. So I'm the book. I'll be. In, I'm going to take this position right now that I think we should strive to have uh, more decentralization, even if we're smaller. And then at, at some point, I would argue that if you're smaller, you're probably going to be more efficient about that. But you're not setting yourself up for resiliency. That's my that's my position here. I think that that's that's fair, and I think that I think this is where we get into some of the complexity on like what's the answer, right? Because I I actually think that there's going to be more alignment here on the problems than we might expect. I, I do agree that some yeah. detractors of uh, of the mesh are going to say things like, "Oh, the monolith is 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 can be a good thing, right?" And you know that's what we need to get to. If only we could make the mon the monolith work, right? But I you know at least personally the position I'm taking is that I I, I do agree that those that the decentralized approach can work. The question is really like does empowering the different parts of the organization to own their domains and be the data uh, data owners of the the data products quote unquote that are coming out of the areas the solution to addressing the fact that the monolith can't scale very well um that's where i'll take the position of no like i don't think that implementing this decentralized approach is really going to solve things here Okay, so the, let's dive into this, what the data mesh describes these four principles. So the four principles are 
domain-oriented ownership, data as a product, self-serve data platform, and federated computational governance. Mouthful, I will agree. And what and 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 one thing I will uh, I will state here is that uh, I do not like and even understand this term that Shamak uses about the quantum. <laughs> you see this word thrown out, I'm like I still don't understand it. I, but but again, I'm also there's some things that I don't like about this whole data mesh though. But let's go back to this. Let me go kind of describe some things. I'm actually pulling it out from the book. So domain-oriented ownership. You're decentralizing the ownership of sharing analytical data to business domains who are the closest to the data, either are at the source of the data or its main consumers. And you want to decompose these data artifacts by data code, metadata policies. So that's that it's a mouthful, but I'm just bringing out what the what what comes out of the book. Second, data as a product is that thing that delights the experience of the data consumer, streaming their experience, discovering, understanding, trusting, and ultimately using quality data. And in Chamaco, always described it as this intersection between feasible, valuable, and usable. And it's really bringing product thinking into data. Third, self-service data platform to manage the end-to-end -end life cycle of the data products. And fourth is this federated computational governance, federated decision-making and accountability structure with a team made up of the domains, data platform, and subject matter experts, and including legal, compliance, security, et cetera. All right, I'm just reading verbatim basically from the book, those four things. Let's go through each one. Domain-oriented ownership. Data mesh, I'm taking this position. We want to be able to, that data, the ownership of data is by domain. So if you work on the sales domain, the marketing domain, the customer domain, like this, like you are the person who's closest to that data, you know how to best understand it. And, and by the word you, I think that we're going into the, what is a team? And, and we're going to start creating teams that are going to be associated to the domains. And I think this is the right thing to go do because these are the people who understand what this stuff is about. If you put it into a completely centralized org, you're just saying, Hey, here's some, here's my, here's my bits of data. You go do something with it, but I'm not sending you the semantics. So you're going to go put bits together without knowing what this stuff means. So at the end, how do we just lost all this meaning, this trustworthiness that we understand how this is usable because the people who actually know what this stuff is, they're not part of that process of doing things with the data. That's why I think it is a very important, that's a, a key principle about and have the domain being the ones who own that, uh, who are the owners of that data. So let's take the flip side of that though, right? Which is that that makes a core assumption that the domain people, right? So let's say like a salesperson or a marketing person, I'm, I'm picking a couple of domains here, right? Actually thinks about their data like an asset and is actually going to be a good data product manager for their data, Right. And in many cases, in many organizations, that just is a very, very wrong assumption. Well, hold they're on. not why, data people, right? Why did you? But now you're assuming that the sales that a salesperson or whatever is be the owner of that data. No, I, I think you want to be able to have somebody who is who's knowledgeable about data, right? And they 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 understand that domain. I mean, you have this in software too. Like, not necessarily all product managers know how to go are are are, are excellent coders. Right. True, I mean, you're, you're, but but they understand how products need to be built. 
Well, does so, does so, every domain person understand how data flows and how data analysis and engineering should work? So I'll 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 agree that this is um, that we may not have we may not have I mean we won't have that person today within the organization, right? But I think we need to either start hiring for that or start kind of grooming people towards that position, which is taking the the data somebody who can understand the product thinking. And understands the data, which is getting into the whole the, the next thing about the data product. But I think the point is, the data should be owned by the domain because they understand that. Well, I guess I'm saying maybe they maybe they don't, and in many organizations they don't understand how to treat data properly. They understand their domain, sure, right? They understand sales, and when they say customer, they know what they mean. Right. But that doesn't mean that they're now going to be good people to help the rest of the organization understand what customer means. Okay. That's going to be a better role for a centralized group or at least a group that has better understanding of how data should be handled. Right. So, you know, are we now saying that there should be data engineers and data product managers within every single domain within the organization? That sounds like a very tall task. Why not? I, 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 I think that would set them up for scale to go do that. What, what, have you I mean, tried to hire a data engineer, Juan? I have. <laughs> okay, fair point. Fair, 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 okay, fair point. You, 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 no, you. just kidding. <laughs> but, okay, so then you have, if you have the centralized, then you're just going to keep doing, you're going to keep having the, the centralized team getting backlogs, and then people are going to start consuming data from the sales, the CRM, whatever, and they're going to have some other interpretation. They're just going to do the same stuff over. I mean, we're not, I mean, so what is the solution here? Just keeping keeping a centralized team to go manage this because we can't find enough data engineers or data scientists or whatever to go uh, uh, or go go do this type of work. So I guess question back to you: How do we make domain ownership work in that particular case? Do we need them to like? Is this you know every company struggles with data literacy, right? And you know we say that sort of you know, I'm doing air quotes here for people that are listening, right? Um, like we say things like data literacy, like does this actually set the bar a little higher? Like we kind of, we need these domain people to understand, you know, how to handle data, how to think about data, you know, so that they can be effective owners of the data. Is that is that kind of what we need to do here? Or, or is there another approach to this, which doesn't set the bar that high? So I'm just, I mean, just you're thinking like off the top of my head, like, I think what if, what if we could hire product managers for particular domains and, and you keep a centralized team to do the data, the, the data manipulation, right? The data engineering, the science, and then the knowledge science, all that stuff. You have the central team who actually does things, but then the product manager brings in that product thinking for domain, for the, for the domain of data. And then they're the ones who are gathering the requirements, and then they can pass it on to the centralized team. Uh, now, okay, implement it this way, right? Understand what this stuff means. Now, we'll still have the issue of that you have a backlog, right? Because they're, they're going to be a bottleneck and stuff. But at least you're starting to get into that. Uh, somebody is managing the, the domain. You have somebody who brings in that product thinking. I think that could work. I mean, assuming that you can groom that sort of talent and that perspective, right? I mean, an, another question I wonder, right, and this starts to go back to the monolith, but maybe there's a little bit of an olive branch that can be extended from the monolith to the to the spoke here, right, is, uh, you know, are there, you know, if what if you what if the expertise is a little more centralized, could they partner 
with the domain to be able to create the right, right sort of cross-functional team that helps uh, address sort of this domain ownership. I don't know. In general, I guess where I trip up a lot on data mesh is, is like, how do we do domain ownership in a way that isn't, you know, uh, a big old mess that isn't just a big uh, dumpster fire. So I'll, I'll acknowledge that we should not take a position of being centralized or being fully decentralized. I think we need to be able to go find some middle ground here. And I think that's kind of where we're coming to. Yeah, right. We're going to kind of find a way to agree here is that go being on each extreme is not the right way to think about it. It's really trying to understand given the size of the organization, given the culture organization, there are things that you want to keep centralized and there are things that you want to keep uh, that you would try to go decentralized. This idea of, all right, the actual data teams, the data, the data, uh, I think what Shamal calls a data product developers, right? That may be something centralized because you can't find, you can't hire enough data engineers and so forth, right? But then the data product uh, mind this thinking is that something that you could decent that you could decentralize, but even that you can say, well, no, we can still have centralized teams of data pro uh, of, that, that can that they focus on a couple of of domains and stuff, right? Depending on what you're on the size of organization. Does this so so part of the point here is also like, can we make it so that the the domain owners don't have to know quite as much of the underlying technical infrastructure and things like that, that like the, you know, the, the partnership, the balance between centralization and decentralization means that they can get the support they need to be effective domain owners. Is that, is that another correct interpretation there? Yeah, I agree. Okay. So let's take it to the second one, the yep. data, the data as a product. Um, and I'm just going to read from here from, from, from the, from the book, it says that data mesh principle data as a product introduces an accountability for the domains to serve their analytics as a data as a product, the delight of experiencing the data consumers. And I've actually was talking around to several folks and I, uh, within the data mesh, uh, Slack community asking them, Hey, what's your definition? What's your honest, no BS definition of a data product? Uh, so here's, I'm going to read some out here. So, uh, Mohammed Saeed said, a data product is a self-contained product that implements its own infrastructure, code, data, and metadata for the purpose of providing curated, consumable, and reliable data to an end user. Um, here's another one. Chris Dove shared with me that one or more data objects that represent explicit information from the source. And that explicit information could be, well, where, what is the, the name of this? Where do I, how, what's the access method of it? Just give me a description about it. Give me some caveats about using this thing. If there's gaps in the data, missing values, uh, what's the freshness of this? How do I contact the person who owns this stuff? Right. Um, so those two, those two definitions feel a little different from each other. Well, I, so then th this goes into um, what I've been trying to understand, what, what, what is being meant by this quantum thing, right? In reality, the way I to take these words away, what you want is what I've always, I call this always the, the beautiful data. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a thing which is, which is my bits, the bits of data that makes sense. It's understandable. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, um, I can find it. Uh, it's, I, I know how to go use it. Um, I, by itself, it is valuable. Like I can, I can look at this thing. I'm like, this is going to help me solve a problem by itself. 
Uh, I could then combine it with something else and wow, it made it even much more powerful. Um, I understand, I can trust it. Um, I, 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 I have basically any types of questions that I would have around this thing, this, this product, right? I, I, I can I can uh, I, I can answer those questions and I can go hit and I can hit the ground running with that. And I, I, I mean, it's just like when we go buy anything else on 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 Amazon, whatever you're shopping, it's like you go you're buying a product there and, you know, you just think about it. why did I buy that thing? I decided that thing I had I had a need. I looked for that. I, I was searching for something to satisfy that need. I found something. I found multiple things I had to go satisfy that need I had. I made a, I, I understand. I looked through them. I made a con conscientious decision that I want that thing. It had a value. It had a cost. I decided to put my, take my wallet out and pay for it. I got it later on. If I used it, I was satisfied. I gave it stars, five stars. If I wasn't, I gave it one star. Uh, somebody contacted me asking me why was it one star? I replied and so forth. That's, I mean, that's what we do when I go buy any type of product. That's why can't we have that same mindset for data? So first of all, as a product manager, I actually love the idea of treating anything, data included, as a product, the phrase as a product, right? Because I think when you treat things as a product, you treat it like it's an asset, an asset that should be managed, that has expectations, that, you know, there's a certain of maintainability, reliability, ownership, accountability, measurability that comes with treating something as a product. So I think nobody would disagree with that, including Tim Gasper, the one with the skeptic hat on, right? Um, where I do have challenges with this product concept is... Um, I don't know that there's enough parallels between data and products that like, I'll give you one example, right? So one example is in many different data warehouse implementations that I know about, including the one that we have over at data.world, one of the first things that we do is, so we have these different domains, quote unquote, right? Things like marketing information, sales information, customer information, events that are happening in our platform. And what's one of the first things that we do? Well, we bring it all together into a centralized model where now you can do all sorts of time series analysis. You can do all sorts of blending of the information together because what do you want to do? Well, you want to look at how many users are using this particular feature over this period of time that are from these customers that uh, came in through the app from these referral sources. So we're blending three, four, five different data sources together to solve the answer. Where's the fucking product in that? Like you, you went, you went from like it all being integrated together to now we're using it is the product like these analyses that come out the other end and who's the domain owner of those products? Who's the product manager of those? Well, it's the analyst who made the report, right? So like I'm having trouble connecting the dots between how product management can apply to data here. Well, come on. So let, let's step back there. You're, you're thinking about what, what you just said is on uh, within the scope of a particular set of analyses, but that's what we know today. There are going to be other sorts of analysis that should be done on the same type of data, on the same on the same uh, thing, the same concept around that. So, I mean, if, if we think about it, let's go to an example. We have events. Events are occurring. Like that by itself would be very interesting. I can make, I can ask a bunch of questions around events that can relate other things and or or just events by itself. 
How many events are there right now? How many events by features are there? And now let's say how many events by customers? Well, that's one. I want to go look at the customer stuff, the customer data product. And I'm saying, and the customer data product by itself should be valuable because I should be able to answer questions about how many customers do I have? Or where do those customers come from? How many customers are growing per month? Like that's the stuff that I should, I don't need event data for that. Now, if I want to go do some new thing about events and and, and, and customers, I can combine that. And somebody is doing that analysis or, or I, I can say, wait, I would like to go do some other thing around events and customers too. That's not what you're thinking, Tim. I have some other analysis because you probably don't know my domain. So I want to be able to gather those, 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 those requirements. And then suddenly this event product was combined with this customer product, got, got connected and generates this new type of product around there, which could be owned, again, owns by who's trying to go do that analysis. So I definitely think that one way of thinking about these data products are considered by the domains and the concepts, those real world uh, concepts that are within organization. And I think, these are the these are the core entities. Uh, I, I I bring this up a lot. I was it, this is inspired a lot from my my colleague Josh Shinever from Uber. He's was telling me the core models at Uber is pretty simple, right? You got cars, and you got people. Those people can be riders and they can be drivers. There's destinations. You take a place to from. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. And then you can look at you can you can do an analysis on trips. You can do analysis on people and so forth. I mean, I'm, 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 I think it's very clear that you would want to go have uh, products or, or, or basically the main concepts within your, the, the main concepts entities of your organization. Those should be, those already candidates to be products. So what you're saying is that in the example that I gave, um, that we're moving too quickly to the end there. Like what we should do is say like, hold on. Like you're using customer data, you're using sales data, you're using marketing data. There are assumptions being made by the data engineers or whatever, bringing this all together and creating what are these downstream tables that are then going to be used by, you know, analysts and things like that, that like that inbound customer information is and should be thought of as a product of its own. And this information coming from marketing should be thought of as a product of its own. And maybe this is where quantum comes in because we're actually trying to quantize sort of these different domains within the uh, within the architecture of our data. And perhaps on top of all of this, even though data.world is obviously a, a, a fast-growing organization, we're still small in the grand scheme of things, right? And, it, and is, is data mesh really much more tangible? And does the quantization of the data products actually make more sense as you get bigger, as you have more complex data, as it's clear that even though maybe a lot of use cases require blended data, which is sort of downstream, right? There are also a lot of use cases that use the customer data by itself, only itself, and it has its own interfaces and stuff like that. Is, is that a right way to think of it, Juan, in terms of how you would articulate it? I believe so. And let me expand on this. And I think I, I, I think I have the book here in front of me. Let me look this up. The Shamak also calls this out as uh, I believe there's like source types of data, right? Data products, right? These are products that come that are really closely directed to the source of something. And then you're starting to go do some sort of, of, of integration or, or joining or merging about this stuff. And those generate new types of products. And the reason why it's called the mesh, and we just came, we just gave an example, right? You have the event 
product, you have the customer data product, and there's a there's an obvious relationship between them because you want to go combine events and, and customers. And that's what makes it a mesh. And I would I would argue, I mean, this is really a graph and, and people who know me, I'm all about knowledge graphs and semantics and stuff. And this is why I think the data mesh and the knowledge graph all, all combines very nicely because at the end, you're want to be able to go represent things by domain. The domain represent a couple of the key entities. And these things want to be combined because at the end of the day, everything within an enterprise is could probably and should probably be connected. So I think we, we're in agreement that everything should be treated as a product. I mean, that, that's it. And I think it comes to the point of what, do you, what, what is being defined as a product, right? Yeah. What are the products? When do you define a product? And, and I would argue right. that a, a way to go start out is define a product as something that is directly related to, a, to the key entities, concepts that you care about within your organization. So obviously customer, right? That, 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 that's, that's, that's the quintessential one you always go do, right? If you think about an e-commerce and retail, well, you have orders, right? Then you have products that you sell things, right? And those products themselves, if, if you're actually a, a CPG from or, or you manufacture a product, you have ingredients, right? You want to know what ingredients are in those products. And you can imagine that you'll have a data product about the products that you sell. And they may include information about ingredients uh, and so forth. So I think, I, I think that's the way how you should get started about this. And then things get connected uh, by themselves. There should be value. Because if you look at something, and this, I really like this, that it should be valuable, feasible, uh, and, and usable. And the, and, 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 the, and the valuable one is, is crucial because if I look at this thing, uh, I want to, I, I can get value. I can do something with it that other people are going to need. Um, and then to be a little bit more specific here is I think the product themselves could be manifested as a tabular source. Right. I think this is another thing I'm talking about is that you want it to be something native, something that how the, the actual user, how they're, custom, they're accustomed to use it. If people love to go use Excel for it, we'll provide an Excel version of it. If people, if the consumers of it are going to be SQL experts, we'll provide it in a relational database. You can run SQL queries. Is it going to have a GraphQL endpoint? Is it going to have a, 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 a Sparkle Graph Query endpoint? Is it going to be a graph version? depends on your users about that. And I think, the, and, and that for me is more of an implementation detail. If we're arguing about that, that's like, it's what, it's whatever your consumers want. All right. I follow. I follow. Do you, do you want to talk about the, uh, the third and fourth points of, uh, of the framework? Yeah, let, let, let's wrap right that. And I, I'll have to say, I was, I was, uh, these are the, these are the two, the two main principles that I, I'm very, let's say very passionate about that. I'll go off and saying, yes, we need to, we need to have domains and we need to have data products. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the whole self-service data platform and federated computational governance, um, I could put my pro hat on, but I could also put my skeptical hat on. I think there's a lot of stuff. And especially because we're seeing the vendors go off and saying, oh, we, we have it. We, we enable your data mesh. And Is that's this the avenue where vendors can go a little crazy and say like, we're a data mesh company, right? Exactly. Which should not happen. And as I always say, if somebody's selling your data mesh, please run away as fast as you can and report them to the authorities <laughs> all right which so, is the data mesh uh, slack community right <laughs> there should be a channel in there that's like a vendor police or something 
<laughs> I love that. And I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if there actually is one. <laughs> All right. So the self-service data platform is reading here. It's uh, essentially makes it feasible for domain teams to manage the life cycle of the data products with autonomy and utilize the skill sets of their generalist developers to do so. So we need to have the technology to say, I'm going to create, I'm going to find the data that I need to be able to go create these data products, to go implement these policies, to be able to go um, identify what is the quality around this. To, I want it to be discoverable by other people. Um, I mean, I want to have a platform. Now, again, I think, is it one single platform that does this? No, there will never be a single platform. I, I mean, I don't think so. I know there, there shouldn't be, um, right. there's, but, but there's best of breed, bring the right things together. Right. Exactly. And I, I think that's where we want to be able to go head towards. And I'll acknowledge that, uh, the way you go implement, what is that data platform? What is the technology you want to go bring into place? Am I going to do some Kafka and streams? Am I going to do some virtualization technology? Am I going to go do microservices around that? Um, I, I, I don't think there is a right or wrong answer for that. Right. And, Honestly, I don't really want to combat this particular item that much. I think the first two tenets are the ones that are the most interesting to sort of debate. This third and the fourth tenet here of, of the framework actually makes kind of a lot of sense. It's hard to it's hard to uh, combat the idea that like, uh, you know, you want to have a shared infrastructure as a platform, right? By consolidating technologies, there's a lot of benefits. You, know, you hear people talk about the data fabric. A lot of times I think of data fabric being associated with sort of a shared infrastructure as a platform, right? Um, I suppose if you're going to try to detract this concept, you would say something along the lines of, well, you know, you want to empower sort of different parts of the organization to be able to pick the tools that are right for them. But honestly, that's kind of an awkward argument because now what we're talking about is like, oh, well, you should have a, a data monolith, but you should have an infrastructure uh, federation. That doesn't quite make a lot of sense. But I, I think that might be the counter argument here is like empowering different parts of the organization to make their own technology choices and do what's right for them. So let's go after the, the, the final one, the federated computational governance, right? Where, where the governance team is composed of individual domain data product owners uh, and then you're going to be able to have the subject matter experts and they're going to be defining the policies and so forth. So I, there, the, the, we need to define what is going to be the governance that's going to be covering all these data products and all these data teams and how they should be able to go. What are, what are the policies out there? What are, and, 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 and define what these policies are. That is not something that should be just top down. That's not like you have a, a complete governance team and they're going to the ones who are going to define it. It's like, well, yeah, you're going to have a governance team, but guess what? They're going to have members that come from all the different domains and they're going to come in and share what are the requirements that are needed about this. They're going to learn about other requirements people have and realize, oh, hey, ours is kind of similar. Like maybe we can actually agree on some of these things so we can share more of our, we have a strongly connections within the mesh. Uh, or, or we start cataloging basically what are the different opportunities. I mean, and there are things that are, should be obvious, right? Like how do we define PII here, right? That should be a well-defined policy. What is PII? So everybody should follow that stuff. How do we identify, uh, how are we going to create identity? Like, okay, we're going to go identify customers and everybody has different customer data. How are we going to identify what is a customer? Is there a unique ID or stuff like that? Like, also, how are we part of the policies and the governance is like, what are the existing uh, uh, 
core concepts, core entities, and, and what is the core schemas and what the stuff means that should be shared upon. So I think the word kind of, it's a, it's a federated governance, uh, but it also should include, it, it, there's something that's centralized, right? They all come together such that they agree what it is, and then they federate that across all the different domains. I think, I think this is what we should go strive for within an organization because a full top-down approach is not going to work because it, it not everybody needs to and will have to go agree on the same thing. Right. And I, I think that similar to the infrastructure as a platform, there are a few that would debate the value of a smart governance program that balances the needs of sort of centralization and decentralization and uh, and sort of this importance of openness and interoperability. I do think that if you are going to make a counter argument, you would focus on sort of a top down approach, which is like, no, it actually has to be very rigid. It needs to be very well defined and security has to be the central tenet no matter what. Um, and, and that's the way that you should go about smart governance and trying to democratize it or trying to distribute it um, just causes problems. And really what you should do is have them be stakeholders, but onto just this very dictated central policy. Um, I don't think that a lot of people agree with that approach. I think a lot of folks are starting to wrap their heads around what you call it agile data governance or, you know, uh, taking an adaptive governance approach. Um, but, but certainly there's an argument to be had there. So. I think if we bring it back to the overall picture here, it's kind of like, I think where data mesh is causing the most conflict is going to be less on points three and four. I think those honestly, to your point of like one and two being the most interesting to you, right? Three and four are kind of like givens a little bit more. Like, of course you need like smart governance and you need like infrastructure that everyone can leverage, right? It's really the first two that create debate about the domain ownership and the, and the data products. So what I am, I am a, I don't know if the word afraid is here, but or a concern I have is that that third one, that self-service data platform, is going to be a big discussion because as technologists, we love talking about technology. And one of the things to remind ourselves, and this is clear in, 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 in Schumach's book and how it's being defined, is that data mesh is a social technical paradigm. And the the social part is key to this. We can go off, if we have these four different principles to go debate about, where do you think a lot of people are going to go spend time, spend the time talking on the technology side, on the self-service data platform? And we may then forget about what the, do, what the domain is and the data as a product. And that's something that we need to, we, we need to make, in my, my position is before you having that, you, before you have that technology discussion, and arguments, whatever you can have, because there are multiple ways of implementing this stuff. We need to come to an agreement that you're thinking about having uh, do, uh, the, the domain uh, ownership, right, is distributed, and you're treating data as a product. If you don't come to those, that position first, talking about technology is a waste of time. I, I think that this is an interesting meta commentary on the overall debate and conversation about data mesh, which is that I think we want to talk about the technology, right? Because that's what we love to talk about. Ah, graph databases and catalogs and, you know, access control and data fabrics and things like that. Like, it's fun to talk about technology. And as vendors, that's the thing that's aligned to what the vendors want to do, right? They want you to buy their stuff, right? Um, but that being said, like, maybe the fact, maybe the reason why there's so much confusion in the space about data mesh right now is because of this conversation about the socio part of the socio technology, right? Is that 
that's kind of difficult for the data community to talk about, to talk about the culture and the ownership and the productization and the, and the way that we have a, you know, sort of dependability and reliability and accountability of our data. That's not the kind of stuff that we talk about as much as we probably should. I have a feeling at least that that contributes a lot to this confusion that we see right now. That's an excellent point. So how do we, I want to, I want to wrap up reading something that my good friend and, and actually has been part of the podcast before Mohammed Osser sent me. But before that, I think what, if we can summarize what we've gone through is there, there, these, if we go through the four principles, right? I think the first and the second one is, is where a lot of discussion and kind of uh, uh, interesting debate can occur because the people who are at the table are not usually thinking about this social aspect. And it kind of gets us afraid a little bit, right? We're, we're out of our comfort zone. And that third and the fourth uh, principle, the third would be the technology, right? That's where that's where we're in our comfort zone. That's where we're going to go see a lot of the buzz coming around and, and the vendors and talking about it. And on the governance side, I think I, I think we're in, in full agreement in theory that we should kind of have this federated government approach. But I think we're just kind of been so tainted with like top down governance that we need to start thinking more about having like this agile data governance that we talk about. I think so that sounds me, right. Let me, so let me so I'm reading up this is, again. My, my colleague uh, uh, Mohammed sent this to me a while ago, and, and let me go read this out. It was, it was a really nice reflection. It says the reality is that the data mesh concept is valuable for organizations that already have data teams that have cropped up by divisions or or, or geo because the central teams can't support their needs. So why why is that? Well, in particular, central teams are woefully unprepared in understanding the source systems and quality of underlying data. In most cases, they are just piping a bunch of raw data in and trying to keep their heads above water or request that, or the, on requests that they're receiving. So at large organizations, you tend to see data analytics teams cropping up in the marketing, the field, and the services, and HR, and so on. And, well, they know the business problems that they're trying to go solve. Plus, they understand the data, where it originates, and so on. And they don't want to wait six months for a central team to get their act together and, quite honestly, trust themselves over the other parties. And one can argue this is a human nature. So slightly, uh, slightly philosophical, but to illustrate the point, if you zoom out, you realize that we already live in a mesh model outside of our organization with all the different external data providers operating their own architectures, creating data assets and exposing them for use. To a certain extent, I believe mesh tries to mimic a bit of that within the organization, although it establishes an opinionated view of the architectures of each mesh participant which may be difficult to do in practice. So the data mesh concept does have its challenges. It's a bit of a catch-22. You never start out as a data mesh from the start. You need to transition from the central model to a data mesh, mesh, uh, mesh, mesh, mesh. <laughs> once your organization can no longer be supported just by a central approach. But the challenge is that when this, uh, this happens, you already have a bit of a polyglot approach to both data management and storage that you likely had little control in deploying and now have to figure out how to make sense of it. In most of these cases, it will actually be more of a virtualization and a metadata layer that will enable the connectivity of data across a polyglot environment. And I believe knowledge graphs will be a key way to connect this data for use while capturing business logic and the data model itself. Further, you may also later create common architecture patterns that can be deployed by new mesh teams, but it likely won't work for existing teams that have their own architecture. 
I personally believe that the data use and management will gravitate towards those who accrue the most value, and that will move the data away from a central-based approach. This that, What I just wrote, what, what I just read out was from my friend, uh, Mohammed Osser, who's the chief data officer at McKenzie. So I really appreciate him sharing uh, these thoughts with us and being able to go share it here with everybody. I think those are those are powerful thoughts, and I really appreciate being able to hear it from that perspective and allow our listeners to kind of hear how this can all come together, perhaps in a more practical way, as well as thinking about where this is all kind of leading to. And and I think I'll leave as a sort of a final comment um, that regardless of whether you believe in data mesh or not, whether you think it's the, the future data heaven that we're all going to live in, or if you think that this is just a bunch of hoopla about nothing, um, you know, there's something to be said about having a, a, a good, agile governance program in place. There's something to be said about treating your data as an asset, as a product, right? Whether or not you believe in data products, there's something very strong to be said about data as a product. And there's something really important to be said around taking what we've been calling, Juan and I, a knowledge-first approach, which is really thinking about the people, the context, and the connections around your data as a really important first-class citizen and, and thinking about things like your data model and your data semantics and making data modeling and data semantics really important. And so measure not good governance, data as an asset, and treating the data model and the data semantics as really important, you're going to accomplish a lot. Strong words, a great way to finish this. I've actually missed having a, an episode, just you and me, just chatting. It's been a while. This is how we used to do it for the first 25 episodes yeah. of Catalog and Cocktails. The very beginning of Catalog and Cocktails was much more of me and Juan kind of philosophizing, chatting, talking about Catalog, talking about whatever. So yeah, glad but we could do this again. And I'm curious what the next debate is going to be. What's that topic? We'll have to see what happens. Um, probably we got more about the modern data stack coming up. Anyways, next week is going to be Doug Laney. We're going to talk about data as assets. Is data truly the is data, is data really the new oil or not? Uh, we have... Uh, have Cindy Housen is going to be on and, and Andy Palmer. And one of the really cool things that I'm super, super excited is that on December 7th, we are going to have a very special edition of Catalog and Cocktails, which is going to be at the DBT Coalesce Conference. So Tim and I are going to be joined by two past guests, uh, Claire and Matish both from the Zebra, to go discuss mm -hmm. all things from catalogs to DBT, transformations, analytics, the whole thing. It's going to be uh, the happy hour of the DBT conference, a very special edition of Catalog and Cocktails. That's going to be on December 7th. Mm -hmm. Yep. So if you haven't yet, please go to uh, the DBT conference website. Just Google DBT Coalesce and you'll find it. Get registered and join us for a very special social hour uh, with our guests um, as part of the DBT conference. Tim, it's been a pleasure. It has Cheers. great debating you, sir. This is the uh, this is the honest no Wait, BS so, conversation. Did, so did somebody win? I don't know. Do we win Who's a debate? Tallying? But <laughs> is Twitter keeping score? If if you're watching, reply right now with your vote. Who won? <laughs> or do we both suck? Maybe we suck. <laughs> I think we made great arguments for both ways. Anyways, see you at dinner tonight, my friend. Cheers. All right. This Cheers. is Catalog and Cocktails. Cocktails.